Hey, Andrew. Hey, Greg. Did you watch episodes five through eight of Neon Genesis Evangelion? I did. <laughs> Things are getting weird. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess if you, for some reason, are just joining us now, we are watching through uh, the entire Neon Genesis Evangelion series, four episodes at a time. Um, Andrew's never seen it. I've seen it too many times. And we are kind of, you know, taking it in chunks and watching it and talking about it on the podcast. So we are going to spoil the show if you haven't watched it already. And if you haven't watched it already, you should pick a different episode of this podcast to listen to because this will not be interesting unless you are watching the show along with us, uh, which we encourage you to do. It's a good show. It's a lot of fun. So here or we you go. You just love the sounds of our voices that much that you just can't go without it. Yeah, I'm hearing about these parasocial relationships that people form with um, podcasters and YouTubists and uh, various other internet people. And um, so, if you've formed a parasocial relationship with us, um, murder Andrew first. <laughs> Come on, I've got. I mean, I guess that's fair. You've got a child to take care of, so uh, that's fine. I accept. Come murder me first. Just leave my cats alone. All right. So, Greg, we had like in these across these four episodes, we kind of had three three main arcs, if you will. Okay. Three main storylines. The first storyline was the uh, diamond shaped angel, not diamond. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the three D version of a diamond? Um, uh, octahedron. Sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Side side, something like that. Anyway, a big 3D diamond-looking thing, um, which is different than the previous two angels we've seen, which were weird varieties of monsters. Now this looked a lot more, like, mechanical. Sure. Uh, the second one was the test of the completely automated version of the um, the Evas, mm-hmm. uh, which was a weird episode, but we'll get back to it. And then the second two episodes, the last episode, seven and eight, were the arrival of Unit 2 and... Asuka. That name, right? Yes. Yeah. So let's let's take it episode by episode. Yep. So the first one was the diamond shaped dick drill. Dick drill. Interesting that that's where you um that's where you're starting. So so let's let's hear what you thought about the big pink drill. Yeah, I mean, it was like pink and ribbed. I guess it'd probably be more appropriate to call it like a dildo drill, but uh it had a sort of skin-like skin-like tone to it, which made me uncomfortable. Actually, I don't know this would make me pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, it <laughs> so, also just, like, mismatched the, like, this, like, kind of cool-looking, like, chrome diamond thing just, like, floats in. And it's just, like, just right at the bottom comes a big old, big old dildo drill. <laughs> so, um, so the drill actually doesn't come in until episode six. Oh, did I mess up the number of episodes? That was two episodes for the diamond thing. It was only one for well, unit two. Yeah, so it is exactly. So anyway, so episode five, um, it starts with a flashback. We find out how Ray uh, got all jacked up. Yeah. Um, we see it's, it's uh, unit zero gets activated, then goes berserk in some kind of test environment. Um they eject the plug and sedate the uh, the Ava and Gendo, uh, the shittiest dad in in the anime, um, showing a, a display of emotion we have not seen <laughs> so far. Rushes to rescue Ray, burning his hands to eject her from the uh, control plug. Uh, loses his glasses in the process. Um, then we've. Flashback to kind of the present timeline. They are examining the corpse of one of the angels. There's a little throwaway line there about how they're 99% human. Um, yeah, and also they – I feel like these episodes overall, they um, – some of my complaints from the previous four, they they sort of started to to answer, which is good. Yeah, we're getting a little bit more lore as we go. Um, so this is one element of the lore um, that they are – you know, somehow partially human, but the material that they're made of is also very hard to analyze. I don't know how both of those things are true, but whatever. Because um, if it's hard to analyze, how are you finding out, like, to two decimal places how human it is? Right. But anyway. it's like it breaks down very quickly or something? Like, yeah. it's unstable? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
we Shinji sees a kind of a meeting between Ray and Gendo, and they are both in a in moods that we've never seen before. She's happy and smiling. He's smiling and fatherly. And we can only imagine how this makes Shinji feel. Um, and then Shinji gets a really weird assignment. Apparently, Ray needs a new like ID card to get into the secret military base. Yeah, right. They expired or something. Yeah, and and so they just give it to a 14-year-old to deliver by hand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the apartment where another 14-year-old lives alone. This is a very strange world. Yes, uh, I mean, so far, nerve the the double-edged sort of nerve is that they apparently supply chain logistics are just not a thing for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they have the security of like you know high school. <laughs> yeah, here, just go drop this off. It's fine. So he goes to her weird apartment, which is like made of concrete blocks in some kind of like industrial noise factory. Um, lets himself in because that's how. TV shows work. <laughs> um, and then when he find he like he can't find her, so he just kind of starts rummaging around at her stuff. Because again, how TV shows work, um, we find that she has kept Gendo's broken glasses from earlier. And then because this is an anime, she emerges from the shower, weird and emotionless. There is a kind of standard anime scene where um a sexually awkward boy like stumbles against a girl and ends up like, you know, copping a feel. Uh, and then that just kind of ends. <laughs> and then we're back at um, we're back at headquarters. Shinji talks, starts talking shit about uh, Gendo. Ray gives him a big old slap. Um, and um, not for grabbing your boob for talking bad about his own father. Yes. Who is objectively an asshole. Right. Um, but and she maybe evil. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and then, um, uh, so she defends him, um, you know, and then just as the episode's about to end, the big shiny angel attacks when we have a little bit of a cliffhanger as it like melts Shinji in, in unit one. Yeah. Blast him real good. Yeah. Uh, right through the middle of his, his stomach or whatever. Right. I forgot that that was such about too. It's been a bit a little bit. Uh, yeah. So then, right. So cliffhanger is that the, the thing came up once again, a classic anime wrecks the opposing person in the mm-hmm. great cliffhanger. And then the next episode, it, it puts a little drill out. Yeah. I know you want to talk about the drill, but there is a, I really want to talk about the drill. All right. Well, let's talk about the drill and, 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 and we can talk about episodes five and six kind of together. Okay. Yes. Uh, I just got to get it out of my mind. Because what the fuck, dude? <laughs> it's a big pink drill. I, what yeah, color would, what, what other color would the drill be? Chrome matching the rest of the age? <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, any other industrial <sighs> color? Yeah, it was just very bizarre. I mean, it kind of reminded me of like a... Remember, you, you read Rick and Morty, a, a plumbus? Like, that's kind of like... Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's like vaguely anatomical, but like not really. But just, just enough so they don't have to blur it out or something. But... I do. I did like the like the sort of tension around the drill, though, with like the armor plates through like, you know, the crust of the earth. Yeah. Drilling through it. And like you can hear it hitting them and like grinding through. That was that was cool. That was like well done. I really enjoyed that like countdown because then they they basically come up with a plan to uh, basically use it for some reason. Distance matters. I didn't exactly pick up on exactly why yeah. something with the AT field. It. it- it seems like somehow they determined that it it has like a detection range and it just zaps anything that comes into that range. So um, so number one, they can't use a traditional projectile because it'll shoot it out of the air. And number two, they have to fire it, their energy weapon from far enough away that it's kind of that they're outside of its zapper zone or detection zone, I guess. Um, so they come up with this plan and they have this giant ass sniper rifle, but they also have to like, they need all of the electricity in Japan to fire it. Yeah. And there's these really cool industrial scenes of them just running like miles and miles of like two story tall cables up and down streets and all that. And this is a thing that, that happens a lot in this show where they're like, we have literally hours until this thing drills through. And then they're like, cool. 
let's take on an infrastructure and engineering project that would take a normal country six years <laughs> and we're going to do it in an hour. Yeah. Um, I love like, yeah, like all the generators and stuff just like plugged into one another. Cause that's how electricity works. Um, yeah, no, it was, I, it was, I was a little unclear. I'm like, yeah, what the exact mechanics, but it's fine. So then they have this scene where, um, you know, of course, Shinji's in charge of firing the gun and then they, uh, they have unit zero and Ray, protect him with some sort of special shield yeah and i love that i love like the engineering thing of like they've calculated that it can last 17 seconds right <laughs> like it's just like i just love the, the the needless precision of the show and the you know the really fantastical engineering like wish fulfillment <laughs> um right so long story short they manage you know ray and shinji work together as a team despite their previous uh run-ins of various Sorts, yes. and they destroy. They successfully destroy the the Dictral monster. The Dictral monster, monster. Yes, um, and the the tension between them was running because he starts out in the hospital again. We have hours to go, but he's been in the hospital for who knows how long. But um, and she basically again, they have her, a fourteen year old weird girl, <laughs> go deliver the mission briefing. To the hospitalized 14-year-old weird boy. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Just just go tell him. It's fine. Um, and they have a tense little conversation. And he's like, I don't want to do it. And she's like, I'll do it myself. And then I guess he decides that he can't let her do that. Um, but they have the tension going up. And then they have some weird little heart-to-heart before the mission starts. And he basically says... Um, you know, he basically asks her, like, why she's doing this, why she's protecting him. And she says it's because she's got this bond with other people um, and she has nothing else to live for. And then um, so and then, you know, he goes and then once, you know, she gets almost melted by the um, dick drill monster, um, he rescues her from the plug, kind of mirroring the scene from the previous episode where Gendo rescues her and... Um, you know, tells her that, oh, she does have something to live for or something because I guess he's protecting her too, I guess is what the point of that was. And then she smiles at him, but there's like a weird flashback to Gendo smiling at her when that happens. So I guess um, my kind of question here for, for these two episodes is this kind of Gendo... Ray Shinji triangle and yeah it seems like on there seems like Shinji like Ray is like project starting to project Gendo onto Shinji because it seems like he she's into him I'm not gonna say in a sexual way yet but she definitely admires him looks up to him you know you know she seems he seems to be the only thing she's interested in because everything else she's pretty much just bleh about and you know pleasing him and this is Gendo that she yes yes her him being proud of her or him you know trusting in in her seems to be the only thing she cares about for sure uh and with Shinji sort of yes mirroring or she sees something of Gendo in Shinji like so she's maybe they're gonna have a bond in that way uh it's a little bit unclear what that is going to be, I think there's still more story to be told there. Uh, but it is weird. <laughs> yeah, most things in this are weird because Shinji doesn't show. I mean, there is that weird, you know, like half naked apartment scene. Yeah. Um, but Shinji doesn't show a lot of like really directed attraction at her. Um, although there's a lot of commentary from like his school chums about Ray. So the the show definitely wants to like position her as a as an object of desire, but Shinji isn't totally like he's not really there. Yeah, he's got a very traditional viewpoint of gender and women and relationships it seems judging from which we'll get to his interactions with Masato. Yeah, and he's kind of he's 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 kind of embarrassed by sexual stuff. Yeah, he's like very young or naive or maybe conservative in that way like just not really engaging where it seems to be all his schoolmates want to talk about and focus on which i mean they are teenage boys so right but like there there's the the show clearly is drawing a distinction there um that shinji is not nearly as horny as you know in the eyes of the show normal boys right 
We'll put that uh, in heavy, heavy air quotes. Right. Again, in the eyes of the show, normal for Evangelion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so that's weird. I, I I am one thing, and this is one of the threads that kind of searches all these episodes, is that like the balancing of the storylines is a little bit of a confusing point for me. Like you have these little like scenes with Gendo or other people, mysterious folk doing mysterious things, but really has like like no context. It's just like mm-hmm. this happened. Okay. Now back to the main story. It's like, cool. It almost seems like you're watching a different, like clips from a different show or something. I mean, I, I assume it's going to go somewhere, but it's a little bit off putting right now. Yeah. And those really start in episode seven is really where those kind of, you know, the, the, the secrecy and Gendo's up to something. And that kind of starts coming to play more in episodes seven and eight. Um, Yes. I know you didn't like the dick drill, but I really liked this angel. I really liked. No, the- I liked. I liked the, the angel, I, and I liked the. Like I said, I liked the tension. I liked it was different, right? Like it had a plan, and it was doing something. And although it's a little unclear why it had to drill through the earth, when in the first episode or second episode we saw the first angel just blasting through it, that's a little unclear to me. Yeah the 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 fact that the angels all seem to be different they all seem to be kind of going for the same thing which is to get into the geofront for some reason tbd yeah um they all seem to be trying to get in but each one is kind of a different well i just mean like mechanically like the first guy you either scenes of him like shooting through the ground and hitting like coming out the other end in tokyo 3 mm-hmm. and this this other thing who has shown that it has an even stronger, like, energy projectile yeah, why weapon. why isn't it just zapping? Why isn't it just zapping? It's got to drill for 16 hours, whatever it was. Um, probably because the drilling creates more tension. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> drilling, yeah. Yeah, I don't so, think there's an in-universe explanation for that, I'm afraid. Yeah. No, I just I just wish the drill didn't look like a dildo, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I just, so I'm saying. I just really like the, the strangeness of it, um, that you're expecting... You know, another biological monster. Yeah. Um, but then you, it's just this floating geometric thing that makes these weird, vaguely musical sounds. Um, and it's just kind of incomprehensible. Yeah, it was very it was very cool. I did like the mix up because then I'm like, you, can, you think you kind of have an idea of what an angel is. And then it's like, oh, wait, never mind. Something. Yeah. Something different. And this is alien in a very different way. Right. Um, yeah. Really like that one. Um, so episode seven, mm-hmm. uh, beginning of it focuses on Shinji and Misato's relationship and how, you know, she's just living her life being herself and Shinji's a little judgmental of her lifestyle and all his classmates are super into her mm-hmm. and the fact that he's living with her and there's a lot of, you know, innuendo and these kind of things. And he's just like, ew, how could you ever <laughs> like that? She's disgusting. She like drinks all the time and is like super foul and doesn't clean and is a terrible cook. And like, you know, he's got a very like what I imagine, I mean, it's traditional in any sense, but like probably a very traditional conservative, like Mm -hmm. Japanese view view of like home and house. Right. Sure. And he's, you know, completely seems completely oblivious to like the things the other boys are attracted to similar to what's, what's going on with Ray. Yeah. So just to connect those dots, as explicitly as, as possible, um, the other boys and kind of the voice of the show is definitely is 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 is, is positioning Misato as a like potential girlfriend for Shinji, right? She's yeah. you know she's all the things that the teenage boys in the show and presumably a teenage boy viewer would be like, yes. I want that to be my girlfriend. But Shinji's looking for a different set of qualities, which um, you could look at it as just, oh, what a traditional, um, you know, like housewife would be expected of. Right. Or also it could be, it's not that she's in Shinji's eyes fulfilling a bad, she's not doing a good job as a girlfriend. She's not doing a good job as a mom. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hence why he has sort of no sexual attraction to her mm, outwardly maybe we don't really know any about shinji's mom do we we do not we know his dad's an asshole that's for sure he is we also don't know where shinji was doing before he showed up in this hellhole 
That's also true. We don't know. So um, one thing I thought was interesting here was, I, you know, like I said, the show's voice mainly coming from the, I'm blanking on her name, the blonde haired professor. Uh, Ritsko. Ritsko, yeah. Um, who's very important this episode. Because uh, the sort of implication from her is that, like, she sort of tolerates Masato because she's, like, I guess a good super spy or something. <laughs> uh, but that, you know, has a lot of feelings about how she lives her life, but then basically just keeps telling her, like, try not to fuck Sinji. And Masato just, like, laughs it off, and it's just like, no one seems to care about the what appears to be a significant age difference, <laughs> especially with like someone who is, we are told is 14. Yeah. It's not just like, it's not this and then this game of Thrones, like ambiguous, like, eh, they 15, 16. Yeah. So you really it's know. medieval it's like, times. Right. Things that's were different. Like, mm, <laughs> yeah. So I don't think, because I, I, Misato never seems to be pervy around Shinji. No, but it's implied that she is promiscuous. It is. But I do think that in episode eight, we get a little bit more detail on that. And um, as the show develops, you might and Ritsuko and Misato's, Misato's relationship becomes a little bit more apparent. This might make a little bit more sense. But um, but yeah, so we get a lot we get a lot of that. Um, but we also get um, a fair amount of lore dump in here around second impact and the nature of second impact. Yeah. And it's not until... Is it in this episode? I'm blanking. Or the eighth episode where they directly link the second impact to the angels and their thought that if the angels achieve whatever goal they have of whatever they're trying to do when they show up is that it will be a third impact. Yes, that's that's this episode. They basically okay. say second impact wasn't a meteor. That's the cover story. It was actually uh, uncovering the, the first angel, Adam, um, in Antarctica, which killed half the planet and turned the seas, you know, and, and melted the ice cap and did all this stuff. Um, and right. And if the angels accomplish their goal, that creates third impact, which presumably would finish the job. And then um, so the the Evangelion project is the things the thing to fight the angels. Um, but so we get all of that. <laughs> and then we also get this story of this like alternative Ava project that's run by this other Company, country? Yeah, what's it thing? called? Like Japanese Heavy Chemical Industrials Consortium Jet Alone. Jet Alone. Jet Alone is the yeah. Is the name of like the project, but. Is the name of the robot. Um, so they have this big meeting where um, Ritsko gets in this public fight with the head of the project about she's saying, oh, you know, you need the human heart as the pilot to fight the angels. And he's saying, yeah, but the Ava's drive the pilots crazy and he also says some misogynist shit for no reason <laughs> yeah the, the show definitely had some weird gender commentary going on in this episode between the stuff with misato and you know like shinji's expectations and her life but also the way the other this japanese you know, this other company is sort of treating yeah um What's her name? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's definitely setting up this idea that there is something inherently feminine about the Avas and the, uh, the like, the philosophy of the Evangelion project and the need for human pilots, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, which is interesting. Um, and then we get um, this scene where the robot, of course— goes out of control. Misato goes to try to stop it at the at the risk of her own life uh, to kind of, you know, go into the robot and put in the disarm code or what have you. Um, yeah, because it was going, it's like, it was a self-powered one. It didn't require a cable. Right, because it had a nuclear reactor. Right, and it was going to explode. It was heading towards the city, so she went in there to disable it. And, you know, I I like this episode a lot. Um, it was a little weirdly paced, but... Um, yeah. I actually was like convinced Masada was going to die. Like really? I really thought that like they were because I mean partially because you said Shinji's life sucks. So I was like, mm, he's going to be like super judgmental, and then she's going to be the big hero, and she's going to die, and he's going to feel like absolute garbage for not recognizing like you know how much of a badass she is. But uh, instead of that happening, the robot is turned off yeah. by remote, and we learn that this whole thing was staged. Indeed, it was by Gendo. By Gendo. For some reason. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I really like this episode, too, because it's it it almost feels like it's from a different show, but it just feels like a, like, 
kind of tightly paced, like just giant robot episode of a show, right? Yeah, it's a little more straightforward and it's a little more like, I like that they sort of are developing a broader world where like, it's like what nerve is and its role in the world compared to like the UN and other places. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a little vague. And they start talking about like the cost of things, even though it doesn't actually seem to have an impact on anything that actually happens plot wise. Right. They at least are recognizing that like nerve spends a shit ton of money to like do what it does. And maybe there's a better way. And these competing factions, which I think is, is interesting. Yeah. Um, I do think it is interesting that this, they have this big conversation about the human heart and the relevance of the human heart to piloting the Avas and fighting the angels. Um, which is very interesting um, in this show. You know, all it's just so full of super science and, you know, proton cannons. And, and then there's this, this bit about how, you know, Ritsko basically just says, oh, no, you need the human heart, but doesn't really go any further. Like, there's no real explanation of why, um, why that's so necessary. And I just think it's, it's interesting. And just the way that it is setting up this idea that there is the male point of view, um, that emotions are dangerous and unpredictable. And then there is the female point of view. Again, eyes of the show, voice of the show here. The, the, there is the female point of view that emotions are integral to achieving this goal. And, and then it, it positions in this episode, it positions a woman as the self-sacrificing hero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ready to risk her life to, you know, save the city um, by, you know, disabling this other robot. Yeah. And then Shinji, you know, through her, uh, you know, heroics sort of comes to a, a different understanding of her and, you know, treats her a little differently as the episode ends. Right. He no longer he, you know, he's he's kind of breaking her out of, or in his mind, he's breaking her out of that role of like, this is what a woman is supposed to do. You're supposed to be good at cooking and you're not supposed to be so sloppy and lazy and, you know, slutty all the time. Um, but then he's, he's starting to see her value outside of his narrow, his narrow view of what may, you know, of, you know, a woman's role. So yeah, I think it's a really good episode. There's one part that I didn't love and that's where the when Jet Alone goes on his rampage and it just like steps a big footprint down through the hotel or not the hotel, uh, the uh, control room. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a little too convenient and a little too like Pugs Bunny nonsense, but whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Like it's like, do, do people ever die? In I mean, like I'm assuming people do, but like, you know, it's like, it seems like very, like very low stakes when that scene was going on until they're like, Oh, it's going to blow up a whole city. It's like, well, we're not gonna let that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I like this one a lot. Uh, and I also, I like, you know, actually all, uh, the next one I really like too. Okay. Uh, let's, let's talk about episode eight. Well, I, there's some things oh, I didn't like oh, about it. But. Okay. What didn't you like about episode eight? Well, I'm looking at my notes and I'm trying to remember. What's I, ha- I have written here, beginning of episode eight, what the actual fuck. But now I'm forgetting what I was complaining about. <laughs> So it opens with another just kind of cryptic Gendo conversation. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of brief. And obviously there's very little like very little information mm-hmm. given that, that you know, without context. Um, but then we get into some aircraft carrier nonsense. Um, all in order to introduce us to Asuka, who is the worst. I was wondering... Uh, what the opinion of this character was because I was of the opinion I had sort of seen just from like the previews and stuff there's going to be a third character in Eva mm-hmm. um, and I kind of felt the, the show needs another like main character because it's feeling mm-hmm. it was feeling a little thin like you needed like kind of like a wild card in there especially mm-hmm. someone with a little more personality than Ray and you're just like uh, <laughs> Very, uh, various shades of depression yeah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Masato's good but you know she's not always around so you need someone she's more of like a side side character like more or less sure um you know you got to focus on the the different what's the plural what's the plural of children in this content children's (laughs) children's (laughs) so this is the third children um asuka asuka as she goes um i was confused if she was german or not but she's japanese but she lived in germany um i think in the I think the wiki will tell you she is half German, half Japanese. Okay. I think her father was German, her mother was Japanese, I think. Gotcha. Uh, so, Maybe yeah. Maybe around. I said my... I was glad to have another character, even if she's a bit annoying up front. A bit? <laughs> um, we're really doubling down on, like, the 
the weird, you know, like the the Shinji sexual hangups, like yeah, like her skirt. That just seems like once again, like feels like we're watching a different show again. Like reminded me a lot of I don't know. Um, she just seems like she's not in the same show as everybody else. She she's in a more traditional anime. Yes, in the, in the same way that Misato kind of feels that way too. But uh, yeah. She she definitely comes in hot. Um, uh, she's just, you know, almost a parody of cockiness. Right. And annoying and um, and in this episode, just really insufferable. Um, like and even the first shot and like her first lines are all about like sexualizing her and her just leaning into how hot she thinks she is and all of that. Um, but the show is, oh, she's she's gorgeous and full of herself. And, you know, they're also telling us that she's this incredibly capable pilot. Um, you know, later in the episode, we it, it, it shows us that she's very good as a pilot. Um, but we also are introduced to another character. Uh, Ponytail. Ponytail. Uh, uh, Kaju. Um Clearly setting up that he is Misato's ex-boyfriend. Right. Um, but Asuka has some kind of, you know, thing for him as well, although he's, you know, not indulging that. Um, so we have, you know, a silly little scene there. Um, and then, of course, there's an angel attack. But, you know, which sets us up a situation where Shinji has to wear one of Asuka's plug suits so that we can see him, like, all, like, weirdly... Um, you know, feminized and embarrassed about that because you can't have an Evangelion episode without sexually humiliating Shinji. Apparently. And like, yeah, he like he's like clearly it's not designed for a man, so his you know it's implying that it's like very tight around his groin, and he's trying to cover that up the whole time. Yeah, but it also gives him tits for some reason. I oh, don't I know. It's I a really whole. It's a that. very strange, very strange bit of bit of art design. But yeah, um, including you know, and which also gives the scene of her changing and them having another awkward sexual encounter um yeah uh i like the boats in this yeah. one like the boats look cool i just like when they like said when the, when the show is drawing just from our perspective like when the show is doing like heavy machinery it just looks really cool um obviously the like the, the admiral and other sailors were like caricatures um which is fine i guess yeah uh, when you see racist caricatures of americans i always enjoy that yeah yeah <laughs> um that's fine uh i I found it interesting, like, the fight itself was, like, very weird, like, doesn't, it was strange, like, you know, they used the big cord to try and effectively catch the fish, more or less. Yeah. And um, then, but then they used to, this is like, what are they doing? They, they sink two boats in a strategic manner, which I don't think you can do, um, and then ram them into the monster's mouth and then fire all the guns underwater, which I also don't think you can do, uh... But it was it was it was unique. It was clever. Yeah, it was it was cool. Um, I I really liked the. There's just some really cool little bits of animation in the early scenes of that battle where Unit Two, um, you know, kind of springs to life and is kind of leapfrogging around on top of the aircraft carriers. Just some really really cool little you know just little action beats and the fact that it starts off with this kind of cloak around it for no reason. Oh yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, and then listen, if someone's not thrown off a cloak at some point, it's not an anime. Hey, that is, that is a hundred percent correct. I don't know much, but I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. Throwing, throwing a, a, you know, throwing a cloak behind you is silhouetted by the sun. Yeah. It's a thing. Um, but I really like the little detail, and it's subtle, but when they are kind of getting dragged around by the, the angel underwater, and you see that the seafloor is a sunken city. Yeah, yeah. And and just these little touches of reminding you that this is a different version of the of the Earth than you remember. And, um... Well, yeah, and, like, in that episode 7, they show that, that they do the test in, like, what we can presume is, like, original Tokyo. Yeah. It just says Tokyo, but it's all, like, bombed out and swampland and you know, clearly destroyed at some point because our, our Tokyo is Tokyo three. Yes. Um, right. Because presumably rising sea levels and, um, you know, all the other chaos caused by second impact, but I really like that. Um, and you know, of course it, it's, it's, it's important that they end up defeating the, the angel through teamwork yeah. you know, rather than just Asuka doing it alone. Um, 
And then, yeah, just the <laughs> driving two aircraft carriers <laughs> into the angel's mouth <laughs> and then firing all the rockets. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty clever. Good. Uh, nonsense, but clever nonsense. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, makes, makes no sense. Um, and I had to watch this episode. I, I didn't really fully understand the plan until maybe my second or third watch of this. Yeah, I was like, they're going to do what? In the yeah, wait, what are they sending into the mouth? I thought that, I thought that the Evangelion was going to go into the mouth. But no, they're talking about the boats. And, and how do you sink boats like downward at an angle? You don't. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is you don't. Well, at first I was like, I'm like, wait, are they implying those battleships are submersible? Like, I thought they were like treating them like subs. And I'm like, I mean, that'd be cool if they like transformed into submarines. But like, those look like pretty traditional, like, you know, not even like modern battleships. They look more like, you know, circa like. 1970 battleships or something well look if you didn't like that spoiler alert in the rebuild movies at some point they just start fitting um uh you know battleships with like anti-gravity engines so they just they just fly now oh okay cool but just like floating in the air not with any like <laughs> yeah yeah so Hel- helicarrier nonsense yeah okay um yeah not even like that no they don't even have like engines on them it's just a boat floating <laughs> okay all right Um, well, okay. So my thing about Asuka is that I'm, she's annoying. I'm glad that someone else who's an Eva pilot is going to bring a little more like energy, even if it's annoying energy. I don't like that. Like every scene she's been in has been like something, her being like, stop looking at me, you perv or stop touching me, you perv. Like, you know, like when they're in the, the, what is it? The cockpit? No, what do they call it? The fucking tube thing the, the, the plug the plug yeah we're in the plug together and she's like you know just being all like smarmy about like him being too close to her and you know whatever and it's just like all right like are we gonna do this the whole time because if we're gonna do this the whole time <sighs> not not loving that um this does pay off okay i'll, I'll say that okay like most things in this show it, it's not there by accident yeah but in the middle of the fight we forgot that Smarmy ponytail man, which I mean, why they got why they got a stereotype like that, man? What, uh, wait, what? Are you somehow you're triggered by by stere- ponytail characters now? Yeah, yeah, they're always they're always smarmy assholes, man. Uh, and, I, and I'm only smarmy. I'm not an asshole. I don't but, think Koji's a. Uh, well, he bails in the middle of the fight and was like, "Yeah, you guys enjoy dying. See you. I'm out." And then he goes and hangs out with Gendo. Clearly, he's working for him, mm-hmm. and Gendo reveals. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says so, he says the first man. Yeah. Adam. So, something. yeah, the, it's uh, Koji gives him this briefcase that has what looks like a weird, like embryo preserved embryo yeah. in it. And they say that's Adam, which is the angel that caused second, you know, caused second impact. But they said the first man, didn't they? Or did they say the first angel? I just missed her. Huh. Oh, you don't say. Oh, no. Yeah. What's what's the what's the big conspiracy thing? What's it called again? The Human Instrumentality Project. Human in- yeah, exactly. So, uh, so clearly, Gendo's up to something. Um, I yeah, wasn't. I was a little unclear if we're supposed to, like, is yeah. I'm just not sure because we don't because we because we don't know Gendo's motivations and his alignment yet. We don't. I don't really know what Ponytail's like deal is. Is he just like you know? had to deliver this thing so he had to get out of there or is he is he evil because gendo's evil or not i don't know just a little bit unclear of that but yeah so i guess we, we got our first little like clue into what is maybe furthering the, the the deep plot a little bit yeah um and it definitely seems like gendo getting that adam thing is kind of off the books officially right, right. like his his weird you know um evil council members that he was teleconferencing with earlier like it seems like the suitcase full of embryo is not something he wants them to know about yeah um so gendo is kind of playing both sides between the shadowy council and whatever his other plan is um something's going on there some question or two (laughs) Uh uh-huh yes he is so nerve is an independent agency organization for lack of a better term correct yeah sure and they kind of like they kind of like are parallel to the UN and sort of, you know, they coordinate with them clearly, but they're not run they don't report to the UN. Yeah, so you've got Nerve, which is this quasi-governmental military force. You've got the UN, which right, they don't they're not in charge of 
nerve, but there's a lot of like back and forth and like, oh, you know, kind of classic cop show stuff like, oh, this is my, this is my jurisdiction, you know? Mm. Um, and then there is the Japanese self-defense force, which is essentially the, the Japanese military, which is it, which works with nerve, but is not nerve. And Nerve works for the shadowy organization, uh, SELA. End of list. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, that helps. And I, I was a little unclear, like, are there are countries still a thing or is everyone just the UN? I was a little unclear if that's like... You know, that that's a, that's a fair question um, because they talk about Japan, right? As if Japan right. is still an entity. But I don't think we get much reference to what the government is. You know, is there a, you know, what, what is, who's in charge here? Right. Um, and it's hard to tell if we're talking about Japan as like a governmental agency or just like the place they are in. Right. Like, you know, geographical, cultural. And same for Germany. Like they're like, oh, it comes from the unit two comes from Germany or whatever. But yeah, the, the UN is shipping it. So yeah, um, it's unclear because um, there are also references to the United States either now or later on. But there doesn't appear to be governmental authorities in any of these places, but that's also, but the show also doesn't go out of its way to say the UN is now the world government. It doesn't, it just kind of leaves that blank. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. Yeah. Not important questions, but just, sure. you, know, you know how I am. No, I, it's an easy thing to be like, especially because this show so throws so much at you. It's easy to wonder, it's like, oh, well, is that just a detail I didn't catch? Or, you know, yeah. Right. And like, it's also like, are these just like set pieces to demonstrate character things or are they important plot lines? Like, is Nerve's relationship with UN like important or is it just like, this is just something to make Masato, you know, <coughs> look, look funny compared to this goofy admiral? I mean, I think it's important to, for later on, it's important to know that these quasi governmental agencies um, do not exist in a hierarchy and they will have conflicts with each other. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, okay. So, overall thoughts? Um, I think this is where the show really, for me, starts to pick up steam. Because now with the introduction of Asuka, we really have all the core characters. And I think it's interesting that this this particular character, you know, you don't realize it that she doesn't come in until episode eight, which is like a third of the way into the show. Right. Um, you know, in, in if you're breaking the show into thirds and you're thinking about it in a third, three act structure she her arrival is the is the kind of the pivot point between act two and act three which is an interesting way to look at this but um but also you get um all the characters are established and we start to get into more of okay i get it this is not just about giant robots fighting monsters there is a deeper mystery at play here and we have firmly established that um these kids um have a big responsibility and it is it is an established fact that the piloting the Avas damages you psychologically. The show has shown shown that to us, um, but it's also told us that in the um uh episode uh episode seven, um, you know, in that conversation in the big ballroom. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of establishing the stakes here and um bringing these characters, bringing in kind of the the central conflict and knowing that, you know, there's a the deeper plot will probably be whatever Gendo's got going on. Um, and then we're going to be fighting angels in parallel to that. Yeah, I I agree that I, you know, my interest is a little more sparked in the past, particularly the se- episode seven and then to eight. Um, partially because they mixed up the formula a little bit. Because I was like, because I was when the when the Dictro monster came, I like the monster and I like some of the stuff in those episodes. But I was like, is this show just going to do this every yeah. like, you know, the monster shows up and wrecks somebody in one episode. And then the next episode, they come up with some crazy deus ex thing to kill it. And then yeah, re- it rinse becomes, and repeat. It becomes monster of the week. Right. But and that's not, even though it's monster of the week, it doesn't seem like, like those episodes are different enough that I was like, okay, cool. Right. We're doing something different. And it, 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 it gives you just enough, teases you out just enough to make you feel like this is a monster of the week show and then pulls the rug out from under you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Gives you just enough time to settle into that monster of the week rhythm um, before it starts to say, "Oh no, there's there's something else here." I I do wish that like my only desire is that, and I know I get the I get the idea that it's not the point of the show, at least 
so far, but it's almost so the action, like there's not really like fight scenes there. I mean, there, there's like set pieces kind of, but they're pretty short and, you know, I think it's on purpose. But my point is that like, if they're trying to pull the rug from enemy, the fact that they're spending so little time in the fight scenes, which is not something animes tend to skimp on, it already kind of makes me feel like, like, it's not really like leading me up not really teeing me up to pull the rug out. It's like, I'm already like, okay, clearly the fights are not the point of the show. So what else are we doing? Yeah. Um, the exception maybe being, I mean, I think episode eight was the longest sort of like fight scene with any sort of real, like choreography or anything happening thus far in the show. Right. It's not just a, I'm going to shoot a big gun at this thing. And then, right. Yeah. Um, I will say there will be, there will be more action ass action, um, with one especially good one that, um, might be one of the best anime scenes, period. We'll get there when we get there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the, um, you know, a big theme of this show is, and it's kind of taken a back seat here in these last four episodes because we've been doing a lot more world building and, you know, kind of setting up. Um, but one of the big themes is the emotional and psychological consequences of violence. So, the show is going to spend as much, if not more time dealing with that as it is, you know, showing us the violence itself. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, there will be some cathartic action scenes as we, as we go. I, I promise you that. Good. Good. Um, I'm looking forward to the next couple episodes. I feel like we're going to get into, we're going to really sink our teeth into some things. Now that we have, I think, feel like all the players are on the board now. Uh with Asuka being shown and, and ponytail guy and a little bit more reveals around Gendo and, and this little bit more, uh, behind the mystery. I'm curious as to what the sort of three-way relationship between Ray Shinji and Asuka is going to be, because I imagine that, I mean, Shinji's just kind of like pretty much blood about everybody, but Ray is a very particular person and Asuka is a very particular person. And I feel like they are going to have an interesting dynamic that hopefully provides good drama in the show. Yeah, um, definitely. There is a, there's going to be a lot to pick apart in the, in that triangle, in that relationship. Um, I hope it's not a love triangle. Um, this is a show of complicated emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, I feel like we're going to have overlapping triangles and some sort of weird, sexually frustrating Venn diagram. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> oh, Andrew, my sweet summer child. <laughs> oh, we've got so far to go. <laughs> True. Although we are one third through now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mathematically, maybe yeah. not with our heart or our investment, but. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so. The next episodes, <laughs> no. uh, episodes 9, 10, 11, and 12, mm-hmm. at which point we will be pretty much halfway there. Yeah. Um, we'll be smack dab in the middle of the series. Um, let me see if I can give you some um, kind of teaser previews for what's to come. Okay. Um, all right. So let's just think of thinking about the next couple episodes here. Just some uh, some little teasers for you. Um, when we first started talking about Evangelion, you mentioned some parallels to Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an interesting conversation next time. Okay. Um, if you thought, so, so your next clue, if you thought, um, uh, Dildo Diamond was, uh, a weird angel, hold that thought. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Um, um, if you're wondering what the angels are doing, um, you will get somewhat of an answer, an Evangelion style answer. <laughs> and, um, and then, and the, um, the Shinji Ray Asuka relationship definitely will continue to develop in surprising ways. Oh, great. Yeah. Well... All of that sounds confusing. Uh, no, I think um, I do think you're going to like these next couple episodes. I think they're. Um, I think if these last four kind of pulled you in, the next four are definitely going to going to keep you there. Good. Yeah, I am feeling 
more invested, more interested. Um, I, de- I did, I don't know if I told you, but I switched to dubs. Um, yeah. Which I'm finding better. Because it's a new dub for this, the Netflix one, right? Yeah. Um, it seems pretty good. I mean, I don't know much about it, but it seems like the voice acting is pretty solid. And I just yeah. feel like it, some of the some of my complaints were exacerbated by the fact that I was reading the text. And also the voices of some of the characters are particularly grating in the original. Like Shinji was very annoying. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, there was that. I don't I don't have a um I don't have a dog in the in the fight of subs versus dubs. I think it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. Do what you want. And there's yeah. arguments both ways. Um, I have a question, though. Mm-hmm. Anime question. Why is it that most, that, that all the women and many of the male characters, most of the young male characters in the, Jap- in the original Japanese, like, why are their voices so high-pitched? That's a good question. I don't know. I know that there's like, there's like a biological thing going on there, but like, it's very obvious, like a stylistic choice to like, per, like, you know, I'm pretty sure isn't like, isn't Goku voiced by a woman? I don't know. I, I thought I read that somewhere, but like, and you can tell when you watch, like if you watch drag episode Dragon Ball Z in the sub, Goku sounds, I mean, most like a woman and he's not even young in Dragon Ball Z anymore. He's an adult male. And you know, when you watch it dubbed, it's like they, they make his voice like, what a what a an American would probably more expect an adult male to sound like. So I'm just curious that there's like some if you if you know of some reason why stylistically that's like a choice they make. Couldn't say. Might gotcha. be a cultural thing. I don't know. Gotcha. All right. Well, <sighs> mysteries to unfold both in the show and outside the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess. Continue to watch Evangelion with us next episodes, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, and come back for us to further discuss what about this show specifically makes Andrew so uncomfortable and um, w- who hurt him and when. <laughs> the answer is probably going to be the show and when we're done with it is my, yeah, my it likely is. answer. It is. But uh, it is. yeah, this is going to. This is going to leave some scars. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. See you next time. See you next time. (laughs)